This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Taking out your Bibles this morning, I'm going to give you two scriptures that I want you to find. I'm going to go ahead and give them to you now where you have them, and then we'll enter into a lot more word thereafter. But these two scriptures will set the stage for our message today. Go into the New Testament and find the book of Luke, Luke chapter number 12. And then continue into your New Testament and to the epistles and to the writings of Paul. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Luke chapter 12 and 1 Timothy 6. And that will be our text. And I'll read those to you shortly while you're making yourselves ready. And uh, then we'll get right into our sermon time. Amen. All right, everybody, we are wrapping up a series today. We've been in this all month long, and we just chose to embrace the crazy heat of July, and we just chose to make it a great sermon series, and we've been giving you tips for a cooler summer. We've had messages concerning keeping calm and not living by fear, but living by faith. We've had sermon messages this month concerning being life giving, not being religious. We've talked about hanging out with the right people. We've talked about uh, on 4th of July weekend, we celebrated the fact that we're one nation under God. These are all little messages that come together to tell the story that we are so fortunate to have a better way, a better way than just having to live in the ways of the world. There's a better way, and that's the grace of God God's grace provides a shade, it provides a cool and a calming place outside of the heat of our world that all of us are living in. So we've kind of had fun about that and today is uh, my final segment of this series and my subtopic this morning is if you're wanting to live a, a cooler summer, if you're wanting a better summer, then live beyond the numbers. Live beyond the numbers. I think you'll enjoy this as we dive into it. But straight to our text we go. Luke chapter 12, verse 34. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then into 1 Timothy. Hopefully you've had time to find 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let's look at verse number 9. And this is, this is quite interesting. People who want to get rich. Now we're talking about money here in this scripture. People who want to get rich, if that's what they wake up for every day, they're driven by the dollar. They're fueled by the dollar. People that want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap. Even many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Everyone say greed. Yeah. For the love of money, not money, but the love of money, the spirit and the attitude of greed is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have even wandered from the faith. And this is quite interesting. They've pierced themselves, their greed, 
their hunger for money, it has pierced themselves with many griefs. I want to take a few minutes as we wrap up summertime, uh, in the calendar at least, because we in Texas, we have two seasons, hot and hotter. And uh, we're just wrapping up the calendar of summer before we head straight into our school season. I want to wrap this up today with there's a better way of living, and it's living beyond numbers. I want to take a selfish moment, and I want to welcome all of you into my world just, just, just quickly to kind of paint the backdrop for this message. Uh, all of us come from a mom and dad. And I'm fortunate enough that upon their retirement that my mother and father uh, chose to come here to Calvary Church and to be a part of my world. And, and uh, reality, they didn't come for me. They came for my children. But that's cool because I give them my children as often as they want them. And uh, my mom and dad are some of God's greatest, and I don't want to put too much spotlight on them as individuals right now, but I do want to put the spotlight on God through them. So just hear me for a moment. I came from an incredible parenting model. First of all, I grew up in a home, as maybe a few of you did, I grew up in a home that we were in the house of the Lord. We were at church every, every, every single week. Now, some of you, you, didn't, you did not have that growing up, and maybe you find yourself now as parents, you're wanting to provide that for your children. And I say kudos to you because I can tell you this much. Going to church doesn't make perfect people. Don't get me wrong. But it does provide a form of stability in the home when the children know that they know that they know that God is first in the home. So my mom and dad, I give them major props today for always bringing us. Now, they drug my hide to church a lot. As in like getting to the car, I'm going to slap you for the fourth time today, kind of drugging. You know what I mean? They drug me to church, but at least I was experiencing church. A second thing they modeled for me, and, and, and this is sincerely from my heart, I'm in debt to them for the rest of my life. They modeled to me how to stay in a happy marriage. Now, they weren't happy with one another all the time. They had plenty of their arguments. But my sister and I were very fortunate to grow up in a home that even in the middle of the fussing, even in the middle of the dysfunction at times, we knew that divorce wasn't an option. Some of you had that privilege. Others of you, you came from a split home. But I know if your heart were honest today, you're wanting to, to provide for your children a home, a safe place that your children know that divorce is not on the table. And possibly you've been divorced. And may I just bless you today. Don't carry guilt of a divorce. Don't carry shame of a divorce. Life happens. But by God's grace, maybe the Lord will allow you a another chance at this thing called love and relationship. And if that happens, I just bless you in the name of the Lord. Give it the best you have to, to provide for your family a stable environment. But then the third thing that my parents gave to me and my sister is something that I'm dealing with today. My mom and dad were never wealthy people. They never made a fortune of money. Matter of fact, my dad's job was one of extreme difficulty, maybe not by a blue-collar sense, 
But by an income sense, it was extremely difficult because my dad was a salesman that was on a full commission pay scale, meaning if things went good for him, he got a paycheck. If things were tough that week, he didn't. There was no thing such as a guaranteed amount of money. So therefore, every Monday, he would wake up early and hustle all week long. And over a lifetime, over a career of living in that kind of a hustle, of never really knowing how much we were going to have, he created, though, a home that modeled for me these priorities. Work ethic and always putting God first and managing what God gives you. I want to I want to bless some of you today by the help of the word of God and by the help of a few personal stories. I want to help you have a better a better go at this thing called money. Don't worry, we're not taking offerings. This is not a preacher looking for anything out of you. The good news is this. This is me trying to help you get into the shade of God's grace. And if you'll do it God's way, you will always have plenty. You may not have everything you want, but you'll have everything that you need if you do it God's way. So I want to give props to my mom and dad for having a minimal amount of income, but it came from hard work, but then modeling for me how to manage what God gives you. So let's get started today. This first part, it can be really good for you if you're willing to learn Somebody said there's things that are taught, and then there's things that are caught. I'm hoping that you catch something in the next few minutes. These are non-biblical things that I'm about to touch, but I promise you we're going straight into the Word of God to bring it together for the believer or for the spiritual aspect of things. If you were to meet with a financial advisor, or if you were to meet with 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 a, uh, if you were to go through a financial stewardship program like Financial Peace University that we offer here at Calvary Church, these few things are an absolute must. Everybody listen to me today. It's critical that you catch the next five minutes or you're going to miss the whole sermon today. It's all about the numbers when it comes to this thing called money. Numbers, 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 numbers. But remember, my title is Living Beyond the Numbers. But you have to establish the baseline, and it's all about numbers. If you want to talk about finances in your life, first of all, you got to know how much you earn. Everybody say earning. Earning. In other words, it's that dreaded word. Work. Turn to your neighbor and say, I hate it when the pastor cusses. That's the filthy cuss word of our culture. Work. Oh, don't talk like that. Work. Oh, I can't handle that word. Work. Stop it. I'm going to lose my mind. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 11 says, Those who work their land will have abundance of food. Everybody listen. But those that chase fantasies have no sense. If we're going to talk about finance, it cannot be discussed until we have something to talk about. God created Adam, and guess what he told him to do? Go to work. Don't buy into this lie of culture that says you can stay in school till you're 70. 
Go to school, get the best education you can, and then go get a job. Be a part of this whole big thing called community. Don't expect anybody to do it for you. Don't be a taker. Be a producer. I'm preaching better than you're amening. Turn to your neighbor and say, get a job. Look back to him and say, I've got three. Hush. Earning. Okay, here we go. If we're going to talk about finance, we have to establish, do we have anything coming in? Proverbs 14, 23 says, all hard work brings a profit. <laughs> How many of you want to amen me on this? But mere talking leads only to poverty. Did you have a good day at work? No, I thought about going to work. How's that new job going for you? I've been thinking about getting one. We're going to be footing you in this thing called life. Go get a job. So, here we go. We have to have something coming in. But any good financial advisor would establish you got to have earning. But then what would they say? we got to know how much is going out. We're just talking about numbers here, okay? This is simple numbers, simple facts. you got to have earning, and then you got to have an idea of what's going out. And you want to minimize what you're spending. Earning, spending. Something coming in, something going out. The Bible goes on to say in Proverbs chapter number 22 and verse 7 that the rich rules over the poor. The borrower is the slave to the lender. In other words, simple facts. These are just numbers. Have something coming in. Minimize what's going out. Here's the scary statistic I want to scare, uh, share with you today. Today's American spends 136% of his income. I'm from Beauregard Parish, Louisiana. I even know that doesn't add up mathematically. How do I spend $136 if all I have is a $100 bill? Well, I swipe for the other 36. And once I swipe my maximum allowed, I pull out my wallet and I swipe my second one. Then I swipe my third one and then I get Denora's and I swipe hers. You got X amount coming in, you got Y amount going out. And then the next thing your financial advisor would be, hopefully there's something left and we want to save. We have earning, spending, saving. This is what the Bible says about saving. Proverbs 21 and 20. The wise store up choice food and oil, but the fool gulps his all down. Wisdom says, just the numbers. You've got X amount of number coming in, X amount of number going out. We're looking for a Y component of what's left, saving, earning, spending, saving. And then what's next on this little financial advisor conversation over coffee one day with your, with your guy or your gal in the industry? They would say, okay, well, now that we've created a savings Let's move into investing. Now, this is the fun part because now all the money we've been working for is going to start working for us, we hope. So we're going to save a little bit, but then we're going to invest some. Invest for what? For the day that we want to stop working or unfortunately may have to stop working, we want to have some money way out there ahead of us in our latter years. We've got to have something out there that we can live on. That's investing. Believe it or not, Proverbs talks about investing. Proverbs 13 and 16, a wise man thinks ahead. A fool doesn't 
He even brags about not thinking ahead. So our fifth and final component, and then we're going to hit this sermon hard for a few minutes, and then we're going to get some ice cream. Everybody ready? We've got earning. We've got spending. We've got saving. We've got some investing. And now what's left, very few financial advisors will talk about it. We talk about it with our biblical-based financial coaching, and that's giving. We want to be able to give, right? So we've, we've earned, we've spent, we've saved, we've invested and unfortunately, the fifth and the, at the lowest end of management of what God gives us, we try to give something. But here's the sad part. The average American gives just under 3% to charity. That's a general term, to charity. And, and I know what some of you would love to say. You want to pop your coat and think, well, I'm a Christian. I believe by the tithe. Here's the sad part. The average Christian in America gives 3.8% to their local church. So we're really far short of biblical principle of the tithe, which is the first 10%. And I know just now, immediately, someone, if you didn't say it, you thought it, there's no way I could give 10% because I only have this much coming in. I've got that much going out. I'm doing my best to save this much, and Lord knows that guy keeps calling me about investing that much. I don't have anything left to give. Well, that's the point of this message. I want to get you to live beyond numbers. Because I believe that I'm going to show you in Scripture there's a greater way of living, a higher way a better way of living than just being a number cruncher. This is what the Bible says about God's economy. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1 and verse 20. <laughs> this is kind of cool. The Bible says, Paul says, where is, where is all the wise people? Where, where are the, where's the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher? We, we're looking for someone wise. We're looking for educated. We're looking for the... The, the, for the scholar, but then the Bible says, hasn't God proven that he's made foolish the wisdom of this world? I'm not going to have you raise your hand, okay? But I have a feeling the majority of the working individual in this room would want to raise their hand. Have you ever been let down by this world's economy? All of us would probably say yes. And let me tell you why. Because it's of this world. God's economy will never fail you ever. Let me share one more scripture with you. The word of God says this about some people in the book of Haggai in the Old Testament chapter 1. <laughs> he says, give careful thoughts to your ways. Why do I need to be careful about my ways? Because you've planted, you've planted a lot, but you've harvested very little. You eat, but you're never satisfied. You never have enough. You drink, but you never get filled up. Your, your thirst is never quenched. You put on clothes, but you're never warm. And this sounds like so many people. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. And all the husband said he's talking about you. Don't be so sexist. Okay, here we go. This is what the Lord says. Give careful thought to your ways. 
Any marksmen here? You enjoy shooting bows and arrows or rifles or handguns? Anybody? Raise your hand if you are. I need to know who you are. I absolutely love shooting sports. I love them. I want you to imagine a big bullseye. And the things of this world, they want us to have a bullseye. They want us to have a target for earning, spending, saving, investing, and they want us to have a bullseye for some people do of giving. So that's the whole idea of these numbers. Everybody gets their calculator out. Honey, <clears throat> honey, we have X amount coming in. Okay, what's our bills this month? And we punch, punch that number in, okay? Well, how much can we save out of that? Okay, we save that. We invest that. Well, maybe, I, I guess this guy's talking about missions. Maybe we can give a little bit of missions there. Okay. And then next week, we get the calculator out, and we spend all of our time punching numbers and they control us. I'm going to change the bullseye for you over the next few minutes. Here we go. When it comes to income or earning, I want you to change your target. I want you to aim differently. Aim for your calling, not for your compensation. Well, I need a pay raise, Pastor Tommy. I don't understand this. I have no idea what you're talking about. I just know I need more money coming in. You're never going to have enough money. Well, I don't know about that. You're never going to have enough money. So if you want to live in a greater sphere of living, always get a job and make money, but make your target your calling, not your compensation. Because you're always going to make more than somebody, and you're always going to make less than somebody, and you're going to get caught up in this crazy thing called comparison. Well, you know, honey, I was at the work the other day, and, and I heard Joe got a raise, and I've been there for 12 years, and the next thing you know, you spent your whole dinner time talking about Joe getting a raise, and I just want to know, Joe, do you receive that prophetic word that you're going to get a raise? There you go. How about aiming for something more special than just a compensation, but for your calling? Paul said in the book of Acts, Paul said in the book of Acts, I'm sorry, Luke. Luke said in the book of Acts, however I consider my life worth nothing. My life is not going to be worth anything unless I finish the race and complete the task that the Lord has given me. Everybody, write this down. Tweet it right now. Have something to live on, but you also need something to live for. You've got to have earning. Even Adam had to have earning. Even Jesus was a carpenter. Earning. Get over the fact. There's no such thing as miracle money. I don't care what the preacher at 1 a.m. on channel 28 tells you. There's no such thing as miracle money. Get a job. Earn. But I will tell you, don't build your whole life around this number thing of having something to live on. You need something to live for. Because there's a whole lot of people making less money than you that are ten times happier than you because they have a calling on their life. And it doesn't have to be preaching. Their calling is serving other people. Loving God, loving people. Has nothing to do with how much money you make. God has a better way for you, and that better way is living in your calling. Yes, you got to have something to live on, 
Let's settle that. But there's something beyond the numbers of what you have to live on. God wants you to have something to live for. In regards to spending now. You ready for this? Let's change our goal from what can we buy next? What can we, what can we buy next? Let's change our goal to being focused on contentment, not consumerism. Y'all want to know the difference? Contentment is not getting what you don't have. Contentment is the realization of what you already have. Paul said, <laughs> Paul said in Philippians 4, I know what it's like to have a whole bunch and I know what it's like to not have anything. So I've just settled the fact I'm not going to base my, my life off of what I have or what I don't have. I'm just going to be content. The old timer would say it like this. How are you doing? Better off than most. You start thinking about how much you have versus someone else you'll find yourself very blessed. Can I stretch somebody today? Years ago on I-35, I've heard Bishop Ron tell the story forever. There was a big marquee on the sign. If you want to be a millionaire, count your blessings. It's not always about the next boat. It's not always about the next, the next item. Being content, there's a greater way of living. Yes, earn. Yes, spend. There's nothing wrong with spending money. Nothing. But if all you do is wake up every day living for a paycheck and how much of it that you can spend, you're stuck in the trap of the number game. And God says, deal with your money. Let me be a blessing to you if you'll live at a higher level. I've been saying this all month long, everybody, and I'm going to keep preaching it and keep teaching it. God will provide the miracle if you'll partner with him. He'll provide if you will partner. How do I partner with God? Go to work. How do I partner with God? Spend less. How do I partner with God? Save something. How do I partner with God? Invest for your future. How do I partner with God? Give as much as you can give. Partner with God, but aim for a different goal, a different bullseye. Aim for your calling and aim for contentment. Because I've never met one person yet, after I did their funeral, none of them took anything with them. Thirdly, in regards of saving. Remember, what, what's the number game tell us? You got to have earning, you got to have spending, you got to have saving. In regards of saving, let's look at it from a new biblical perspective. Why don't we become God-dependent, not independent? I want y'all to fill in the blanks for me, everybody. Financial Peace University or a good financial advisor would say, after you have your earning and after have you spending, you need to create a savings account because everybody needs an emergency fund. Do you hear the fear in that? Yeah, it's wisdom without question. I get it. It's smart. But there's fear in that. You got to have an emergency fund. In case everything else goes awry, you got a little emergency fund. You know what that's based on? The goal to become 
financially ready, fill in the blank, financial security. Hey, everybody, I'm the most encouraging, positive preacher on the planet until I tell you there's no such thing. There's no such thing as financial security. Well, I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor Tommy. There's no such thing. You're just one slip, one accident, one problem, one challenge, one unforeseen situation coming. And, and there's no such thing as financial security. As a matter of fact, the Bible drops the boom on this. I love it. Proverbs 18, 11, The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. Okay? So the rich, we're going to get money, get money, get money, get money, and we're going to stack our money up, so to speak as a big wall, and we're going to live behind our fortified city because our money has us secure. But the Bible then says, they imagine a wall too high to scale. It's a figment of our imagination to think that we can place all of our confidence in the dollar. Ladies and gentlemen, can I bring you to a higher place? Don't trust in riches. Trust in him that richly provides. Do your part. Earn. Do your part. Spend less. Do your part. Save. Yeah, do your part. But don't become so dependent on the money because money will let you down. And if you get too hung up on the money, the very first text I read you, it will drive you to ruin. Because greed the love of it, the hunger for it, you'll step on people to get it, you'll backstab others to have it, the next thing you know what you thought was going to be your blessing has become your curse. There's a better way. It's supernatural. It's above your natural way of thinking, and that is aim for your calling. Aim for contentment. Aim for to be God-dependent, not independent. Now, in regards of investing, we got two more. Let's hit them quick. In regards to investing, sure, we're to plan ahead. The wise man thinks ahead without question. Put as much of it as you can because you don't want your 40-year-old kids to take care of you one day. You want to be self-sufficient in that area. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. But there's a better way. The bullseye from the Word of God says in regards of investing, aim for stewardship, not ownership. How many of you have been guilty of saying, well, I own that house, I own that truck, I own that, I own this and that. Hey, everybody, you don't own anything. Because if you owned it, you'd take it with you. I got to tell you all a hilarious story. Some of y'all are like, I brought a guest today because I told them you were funny, and here you are just killing us on money. So I'm going to break it up for you. You ready for this? So help me God, this happened to me early in my ministry. I was standing at the head of a casket after the funeral. I'm shaking hands. Thank you so much for coming today. The family sure appreciates it. Thank you so much for coming today. I look over, and the next thing I know, this person puts a six-pack of beer into the casket. And I thought, huh, thank you for coming today. God bless you. So help me. Two or three people later, they slide a joint. The man didn't have a coat on. He had a dress shirt with a pocket. And I see a joint go in. I'm like, thank you for coming today. Lord bless you. My first thought is, 
they don't realize this brother can't smoke it, can't drink it, but them funeral directors are going to have a time. <laughs> Come 3 o'clock, them directors are going to be like, "Woo! I hope somebody else in that family goes this week. Hey, all this stuff we claim to own, we don't own it. We don't own it. Can I bless you today? Receive this into your heart. Just trying to bring you into the shade of God's grace. Everything you have from the Bible that you're reading and the pen that you're writing notes on, everything you have, God owns it. And you're his manager. And the quicker, the quicker you get out from this number crunching thing and you're trying to accumulate all this stuff that you own, you don't own it. I don't own this coat. God gave me this coat. It's my job to partner with God and take care of it. Everything you have. Well, I don't know about that preacher. I worked hard for it. Yeah, you worked. Welcome to the life of the normal person. You worked. Blue ribbon. You had a job. Woo! High achiever. It's mine. No, no. God's letting you use it for a while. Because when he calls your name, it's not going with you. Your kids will have it. I tell my dad all the time. I say, Dad, I know you got a little bit of money put away. Don't spend it. I know you worked your little rear end off all those years. You got a little nest egg. I need you and mama eating noodles. I don't want to catch y'all on social media eating out fancy. And if I hear y'all going on trips, I'm going to cut your tires. I need y'all living like you're broke. Because I want some of it. <laughs> I'm so bad. I've got one sibling. I'm so bad that I tell my sister, I say, now listen, it's already in the will and I'm the executor of the will. It's already stated, mom and dad's wishes after they depart is that you, you get the joy and the pleasure of going through all their stuff. I handle all the money. You can have the candles, the plates, the silverware. I get the money. It's a fair deal. The thing is, all that silverware ain't going with mom and daddy. And none of the money's going with mom and daddy. And guess what? When I depart, none of it's going with me. So we got to get out of this number crunching thing thinking we own this stuff. God's been good to every single one of us. And none of us have deserved the goodness of the Lord. But because of what Jesus Christ has done, he owns the cattle of a thousand hill. And he wants to be a blessing to you. He wants to provide, but he's looking for a partner that will get off of that calculator and stop stressing over the number game. He called you out of the things of the world, so stop operating your home merely by numbers. Are numbers needed? Without question. That's why we know all the stories in the scripture. Even Jesus dealt with numbers. He called 12. He had three as his closest prayer partners. There were 120 in the upper room. God's into numbers. He fed 5,000. He's into numbers. He had three on the cross, him in the middle and two sinners on the He's totally into numbers. But there's something greater than numbers. And it's by whenever you come to Jesus, you got to stretch yourself and get out of the things of this world and start operating in an economy that will not let you down. 
When you live by your calling, you will not get frustrated. When you live by contentment, you will not go broke. When you live by being God-dependent, you will not live by fear. God's looking for you to partner with him. He'll handle the miracle if you'll handle partnering with him. I'm just trying to get you out of the heat of summertime into a cool place. A little bit stress-free, living the way God called you to live. There's a fifth and final component. It's called giving. In regards of giving, instead of punching in the number, what percent can we give? I love teaching, preaching the tithe. But I can't teach it and preach it to people that are number-driven people because they'll put a calculator to it. And you're missing the point. The point's not the calculated amount. Here's your new target. Aim for generosity, not misery. Misery, miser. The opposite of a generous person is a miser. What is a miser? You know what a miser is. The one sitting next to you that won't pay for a dime. Always looking for the cheapest way out. You know the miser I'm talking about. You won't invite them out because you know you're going to have to buy everything. You won't say, what are you doing after church? Because you know they'll go wherever you want to take me. <laughs> There's always that one that's just, he squeaks. She squeaks. <clears throat> so tight. They're the person that has a dollar framed in their room. It's the first dollar they made. Hey, everybody. God's calling you to live a different way. Sure, manage your money. I'm not saying that. That's silly talk. But be a generous person. When's the last time you ate a meal and you didn't want to go skimpy and put a calculator to your tip and you actually considered the fact that that was a 28 single hardworking mom on her second shift of the day. Wouldn't you love it if somebody didn't put a calculator to the tip if it was your daughter, if it was your family member? Wouldn't you love it if somebody, newsflash, maybe a Christian, would see the stress on that little single mama waiting tables, killing herself just to get your bacon right? Probably not the best example. Should have said taco or something. That's going to probably come back in an email at some point. To get everything just perfect for you. And you go, let me just see if I can calculate that right. I'm not giving her a penny more. There it is. Hey, everybody. Live that way all you want. And be miserable the rest of your life. God's saying, I called you out of the natural to a supernatural. Why don't you live the supernatural life? And be generous. So in the spirit of generosity, hope you're ready for some ice cream. Hope you're ready for a little ice cream sandwich. A little push-up where it just runs down your chin. Now my kids aren't eating that. My kids are getting something in a bowl with a spoon. Because I'm too tight to pay for dry cleaning. Play on little sermon. Get it? It was a little joke. Hey, everybody, I dismiss you today.
with this final prayer. I want to pray over you. Don't be a hearer of the word. Be a doer. Let's change our bullseye. Let's change our focus. After you're done number crunching, open up your heart to God and say, Father, take me to a higher place. Everybody bow your heads and receive this. Father, take me to a higher place of living. Thank you, God, for the job I have or the, for the one I'm searching for. But I do not put all my confidence and trust in a paycheck. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of finances in my life. But I make a commitment to you today not to spend every single penny of it. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for my family and all of us that chip in and play a role in taking care of our home. But we don't own this home. The home you've given me and my family, Lord, I don't own it. It's yours. You're just asking me to manage it. Matter of fact, God, my own children, <laughs> I don't own my children. They're a gift from heaven. You were so gracious to Denora and I to give us two beautiful girls. They're not my girls. They're yours, and you're allowing me to be a steward over their lives. Wow. Lord Jesus, take us to a, a greater viewpoint. This world we live in, God wants us just to live in the little box of calculating numbers. But you're calling us to a higher viewpoint. That once we take care of our business, you've promised to take care of us. So we lean on you. We trust in you. And that which you allow us to manage, we give it generously away. And I pray this blessing over every single one of us in Jesus' name. And let everybody say a big amen. Amen. I love you so much. We're going to hit August pretty hard and I want to tell you this real quick before I have you stand August the 6th the very first Sunday of August I'm probably going to be a little sleepy that day because Saturday I'm going to be in California performing an awesome wedding my friend Justin Andrews that is here I'll be performing Justin and Nancy's wedding in Los Angeles area but I get home about midnight Saturday I'm going to catch me a power nap. August the 6th, we'll start a whole new series, and I want everybody to listen. That's also going to be the start of 21 days of prayer. We're going to come out of this old hot summer. All of us have been traveling. All of us have been hot. We've been miserable. We're about to hit the school season. We're going to find us a good schedule and a good routine. We're going to get back into the flow of life. 21 days of prayer. And this is my final announcement. I need all parents, all parents, no matter your kid's age, all parents, listen to me. We've had a great summer of kids' camps and youth camps. Third Sunday of August, I will be preaching about the family. And I want every single family here. It's going to be a critical message for you going into the school season. 
Also that day, on family day, I would love to see all of our children and students that have never been baptized. I want that to be a real big, fun, baptismal day. You can do it as a family if mom and dad has never been baptized. Go online, go on your app, Calvary FTW, go on the website. We're going to have a big baptism on the third Sunday of August, preaching about the family. And we're going to see a whole bunch of beautiful new people baptized on that day. Get registered because we have, we have to be prepared for you. It's going to be awesome. Stand with me today. To all of you that were here with us, I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. May his grace rest upon you. Go get some cold ice cream. And remember, don't put it in your purse. It melts. God bless you. You're dismissed today. Go have fun.